0: Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This is the third week of Lent in the third week of our series, Giving It Up, where we are talking about some of these less tangible ideas of things that we can give up to help us in this Lenten season as we journey closer to God and as we journey towards the cross. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube channel, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe using your favorite podcast listening app. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message and please don't forget to share it with others. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 30. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews." But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. But when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to get out your uh, note space there that you have in your bulletin for those of you joining us online. Uh, there Hopefully, oh, no, never mind, Normally, on uh, We're having some technical difficulties, but uh, I'll have that in the uh, later so that you can reflect on it. For those of you here, you can take a pencil uh, on the seat back or a pen that you may have brought with you if you have uh, other notes that you would like to jot down as we go along. You know, they say that uh, we preachers are guilty of preaching mostly from our own experience. But honestly, I really can't think of another way to preach. Honestly, I can't think of any more of a humbling way to preach. I I preach in a manner of my own lived experience of God, the things that I have learned, the, the knowledge that I have in hopes that I can inform your own experience of God and your preparation for this week's message. Last week we talked about giving up of expectations, and and this week we're talking about giving up superiority. And so I know that in preaching, sometimes preaching from my own personal experiences, maybe it gives me a little bit of an ego trip. but I promise that's not what's going on, and that it can be easy to often have a conflated ego, but I don't really want that to be the position. I am, if anything, probably average. I have the transcripts from high school, college, and seminary to show you
1: um, that I am average. Um, C's get degrees. When
0: I was in a clergy leadership program, we took a a variety of character trait evaluations, trying to learn about ourselves, trying to learn about the leaders, who we are. One that particularly spoke to me was one called the Enneagram. It is a uh, character trait evaluation with uh, character traits from one to nine, each number identifying different fears that drive us forward.
1: I learned that I'm what is known as an Enneagram three often titled as the Achiever, or the Performer. In
0: my most basic understanding and attachment to this idea, I am driven by competition, and I have a fear of failure. However, in this nature, and projecting this fear, projecting this understanding, I often come at a point of portraying what I have What I call in my life an air of superiority. Right? I'm always striving to do my best, and I will let you know that. And I'm sure some of you may hear that sometimes come out in my speaking. And it is sometimes, and it's something that I have been trying to be better at as I continue to learn and grow in the Spirit. Because I've recognized that instead of using my drive, my competitive nature, to achieve only what benefits me. My life at the expense of others. I often wonder how I can use it to not only be the best version of myself and projecting the image of God that is within me, and also in the same breath, helping others to grow in their faith as well. As we sit here on this third Sunday of Lent, we turn our attention to this next aspect of life that I think we as Christians are called to give up and especially in this Lenten time of talking about the ways in which we can fast, we now come to this idea, one that unfortunately seems to be so deeply embedded within our life and living as Christians sometimes it may seem counterintuitive to even feel like we should give it up and that is this idea of superiority basically we are calling ourselves to give up this idea that we think we are better than others, slash we know we are better than others. It's one that I try and draw intentionality to in my own journey as a pastor and leader, as one whose journey is out in the open, up front, as one who speaks about their own journey so openly and honestly. How do we do so in a way that does not demean or demoralize those around us, but how do we use our journey to help build one another up? Christian faith and witness, instead of judging people, instead of condemning them, rather to let them know that they are loved. You see, when one has an air of superiority, it doesn't come off well. And yet we as Christians treat ourselves as superior, superior to others because of our faith, often demonizing those who are not a part of our
1: religion, and I often tell people you're never going to get anybody to believe you if you're a jerk about it. You see, superiority
0: tells us that we are better than others because of one aspect of our life, something that we
1: may have done, words we may have said at one point in time in our lives. However, to give up superiority means that we are called to take on a more, that we are called to take on more humility, empathy. We're called to pause and reflect, to place ourselves in others' shoes. It does not get rid of that competitive drive, but it focuses on that nature to push us forward with creation, and not in spite of it or at the mercy of others within it. Unfortunately, superiority in our society has given us systemic evils. Systemic evils like racism, classism, religious elitism, all sorts of things that make us feel more superior than others because of the color of our skin, because of how much money we have, because of the faith we possess, possess because of who we love.
0: It causes rifts within the very human nature of creation
1: We can devalue those who are around us, even demonize them. Even when we think we are trying to extend God's grace, sometimes, When we think we are better than others, it does no more than causes pain, harm, and even suffering. And so we look here in our gospel text today, and we see a great example of what it looks like.
0: An example not only of Jesus, who puts aside his superiority, his status, but we also have a woman who in the lack of her own perceived superiority is able to offer a gospel message to those around her and in her community.
1: And it is in the shedding of this need to place this superiority that creates this situation here in Scripture that allows us to see a life so transformed that she cannot help but run to her people and
0: proclaim the joy and healing that she has felt. Right? So we have this Samaritan woman whom Jesus meets at the well, asking for a drink, naming the reasons that she does not deserve to give this man a drink. A woman who is both a societal and a religious outcast.
1: Right, we hear in her
0: interaction with Jesus of her multiple marriages, we hear in her interaction with Jesus that she is not even married to the man that she is currently in relationship with, all of these things seeming insurmountable. We don't know why she's been married multiple times, nor does it really matter. But what we can take from this situation is deeply embedded within her heart is the pain and grief. Whether it is of death of her husbands or loss of relationship, we do not know the status of her current relationship, and yet we can begin to understand that the relationship which she has with this man who Jesus names is not her husband causes pain and heartache within her. By society standards, she is a widow, especially a widow multiple times, for a variety of reasons, pushes her down the social ladder. And even in this area of Judea and Israel,
1: she is a Samaritan. Looked down because of the life that she was born into, and Jesus as an Israelite, for them to even be seen together, let alone talking to one another, could make both of them social pariahs. And so you have this understanding this understanding of patriarchal culture and society, this understanding of religious division, and yet, Jesus, when confronted, when coming to her, lays aside everything that could have kept him from being in relationship with her and offers her the living water. The living water that Christ offers to each and every one of us in our pain, in our grief, in our hurt, that Christ offers healing and reconciliation to each and every one of us. There are, unfortunately, these societal, these systemic natures of sin and evil that still exist in our society today. We've grown, but only in some ways. And even today, we have been. Like those religious elite who would have looked at Jesus talking to this woman. We find ways to pick apart the humanity, devalue others based on one or even many qualities. But when we truly take away the veil of superiority, then we place ourselves in situations where things like race, class, gender, or even religion are not determining factors in how we are treated but becomes something that makes us unique and special. And it offers a perspective that can help us to understand the greater nation, nature of creation and the greater nature of the kingdom. Right? Superiority tells us that we need to flaunt that we are better. <clears throat> that we need to make sure that others know that we are these great, these wonderful figures. It almost turns us into these narcissistic people who only care about the one single lane that we occupy. And yet, it causes hurt, harm, and division all over, both in our relationship with society, and even can come to cause a
0: toxic relationship in our own journey of growth as well. Right? If
1: we think we're better than everybody, then what
0: many sports, and I tried to be the
1: best at all of them, only again to realize that I am average. And so when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I went out for the
0: cross-country team. It's the first time I was ever on a, a running team in high school or middle school, and I decided that I would go out for cross-country to help get me in shape for soccer because I needed more stamina
1: to stand in goal. I don't know. Like, I just wanted another sport. I wanted as many pins on my letter as I could get. And I remember
0: joining the cross-country team, and I'm like, all right, I've been doing this for a while. I've been running since I was like six months old. Here we go. We got to that first practice, coach's like, all right, go and run three miles. I'm like, okay, i got this. So we all go out. We go out. I go out with the big boys, with the fastest of the
1: fast on our team. And about half a mile in, I'm huffing and Extend Extended beyond my capabilities. Boy, howdy, did that give me a big ego check. In fact, running to this day gives me a big ego check. It makes me realize running is about what I can accomplish, not what I can accomplish in spite of others. Running has taught me that I don't need to be the best runner in the field. It's nice. Get cool little trophies. But I just need to be the best version while running. And in that, it's taught me how to be a coach for runners. I recognize how I've run as a runner, and in that, I find ways that I can help others grow to become the best runner they can be. And it's this mindset that I try and bring into my pastoral leadership as well, especially in going through this visioning process here with this church. We don't need to be the best. In fact, we can't. We don't need to project this air of superiority. We don't need to shame others just because they aren't here, they aren't with us, they aren't doing things.
0: We need to be who God created us to be. Use our passion to drive, to help push forward this nature in which we ourselves can grow, in which we
1: can help others grow as well. Look at how Jesus humbles himself in this manner. He offers the spirit and witness to this Samaritan woman.
0: Jesus offers healing from her past abuses. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn.
1: He doesn't even ask what they are. And and, and Jesus knows because he knows that she's been married all of these times. And Jesus throws away the social conventions
0: of the day that would have prevented this interaction, that would have prevented him from healing and witnessing to her. Instead, offers her empathy, healing, the hope of a promised resurrection, Jesus offers her living water because there is
1: nothing that makes someone better. Because the living water is for all creation to receive. If that's the case, then who are we? If not even Jesus limits who receives living water, then who are we to restrict it? Who are are we to think that because we have received it, that others are not able to? Or that others are less than because they have. I look at stories like this and I I wonder
0: where this witness has gone. I wonder how we've lost it over time. And looking at this
1: ideal of reclaiming this vision to grow deep our relationship with God, to ground our relationship with God. If we want to connect with our community, if we want to strengthen our community, Both inside and outside the walls of this building, I think the nature of superiority, especially the nature in which it's become attached to this church, just becomes another example of society seeing hypocrisy within the church. This bad light that others have come to see. So this Lenten season, let us begin to imagine what it may look like to give up this feeling that that we need to feel superior
0: over others, that we need to think we are better than others because we are a certain way,
1: because we said the right words, because we sit in these pews. Jesus reaches out and calls and loves all people. You see instances of this, not just here in John 4, but all over, all throughout the gospel. We see God's love and grace. We see the inherent message of the gospel. Right here. So we reflect on those things that may, that we may think make us superior. What do we do that puts someone down? Whether it's intentional or unintentional. And in this case, we're reminded that even the language we use is an important communicator. The words we use can hurt
0: or heal. They can draw people in or push them away.
1: Unfortunately, even sometimes language meant to be used for care can often cause harm. We must be intentional in reflecting. We share the gospel not as a better alternative or an argument to save folks from hell, Rather than we offer them the story of a God who loves them unconditionally, especially amid the hurt and pain that exists, and the salvation that Jesus offers from that pain it makes us more keenly aware of when we project our competitiveness, our egoness, and even our privilege. Maybe recognizing the sins and evils across creation and working to find healing in the midst of harm and suffering. Our witness of empathy and humility they place us in the shoes of those in our community. They help us to know to understand their hurts and pains. I would say that the reason the Samaritan woman is so transformed by Jesus' witness is because he speaks to her in this way. He offers this nature of empathy and humility Yes, Jesus
0: knows and understands who he is. Jesus knows that he is an Israelite. He knows that he is a
1: Jew. He knows that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Yet, he does not use it as as a manner to put this woman down.
0: Rather, he offers her grace and reconciliation in the name of God the Father.
1: Meets her where she is. And offers a holistic manner of healing from her past pains. Even her own cultural oppression. And we do the same. When we seek to give up our own superiority, begin to offer our own manners of healing and reconciliation, we begin to move past the society's hurts and pains. And so what nature of superiority do you need to give up? How can humility
0: and empathy bring, to better, bring better healing and reconciliation
1: with a creation that is broken? How can we offer it, offer that living water of Christ to any and all persons?
0: Because when we give up this ideal that we are better than others for for any reason,
1: we begin to strengthen not only our own relationship with the kingdom, but hopefully we help to heal the relationship of creation that others have with God as well. Amen.